Hi, I'm Yusuf Zin. My latest TVO Today podcast is on how a Canadian ends up in a Chinese prison, and if he's even alive. Listen and subscribe to Extradition. Available now, wherever you get your podcasts. For more in-depth perspectives and interesting stories, sign up for our daily newsletter at tvo.org slash daily. Earlier today, the Association of Municipalities of Ontario and the Ontario Federation of Indigenous Friendship Centres announced a landmark agreement. It aims to improve the working relationship among communities to get better outcomes for everyone on a range of issues. With us now for more in Sioux Lookout in northwestern Ontario, Mayor Doug Lawrence. In Shunia, Ontario, on the north shore of Lake Superior, Mayor Wendy Landry. She is also president of the Northwestern Ontario Municipal Association. And in Fort Erie, in the southwestern part of the province, Jennifer Dockstadter, executive director of the Fort Erie Native Friendship Centre and president of the Ontario Federation of Indigenous Friendship Centres. Welcome to you all. So nice to see you all. Thank you. So we are, this is being called a landmark agreement. How would you ca- capture this moment in just a couple of sentences? Uh, Mayor Landry, I'd like to start with you. Thank you very much for that opportunity. This is a landmark agreement for uh, bringing municipalities and First Nations and Indigenous communities together for the first time ever. Our communities have been divided and haven't had the opportunity to get to know each other, know how our um, communities work and how our governance structure works. So this is a landmark agreement that brings our communities together to um, learn about each other for mutual understanding and moving forward in our advocacy for um, similar items. And Jennifer, what about you? I think it It's landmark because it starts to identify that the urban and rural communities of Indigenous people live actually off-reserve. 85% of us actually do. So that's not widely known in Ontario. And we can start to really understand how to work collaboratively together. We'll talk more about that in just a moment. And Mayor Lawrence, what about you? I think the landmark perhaps is that it opens the line, it formalizes the line of communication. It's okay for friendship centers to talk to municipalities and vice versa. Um, traditionally, uh, First Nations to talk to nation to nation to the, the federal government. We're a few steps down. And this opens that line formally. And uh, let's talk about what it's like now. Mayor Landry, I'd like to start with you. Up until now, Ontario cities and towns and Indigenous communities have been working separately for the most part? They have been uh, working separately for the most part. You know, forever it's... Um it's been about dividing our communities and our communities um, advocating and working towards their own uh, individual um, issues and, and advocacy. And what this does is bring us together and working um, together on issues that are, are formally um, common between both of our communities. And it builds our strength in our numbers and it brings us together because we are working on the same issues. We're working on the same um, um working together to to improve our communities and working on initiatives that are similar in uh, context. So I think that this is something that, um, you know, brings us formally together, as Doug mentioned. And I think that forever we've been working separately and it also offers the opportunity for us to get to know each other and how our communities are structured, our governance structure and and bring that common voice together. And Jennifer, in terms of how municipalities make decisions, what will an an agreement like this allow for? It really will allow us to add our voice to 
solving problems and, and having solutions. Again, having an Indigenous perspective and the cultural perspective woven into the mainstream of municipalities will really benefit everyone in community. And Mayor Lawrence, I'd like to ask you the same question. In terms of how municipalities make decisions, what will an agreement like this allow for? Well, it's interesting. I think we're quite engaged with the First Nations and First Nation agencies. I think what this does is actually uh, when the local uh, executive director of the Friendship Center came in and we signed the document together here, the local document, we said, hey, let's reset, let's reset, let's meet uh, and just say, how can we uh, enhance our relationship in light of this agreement? And Jennifer, earlier on, you mentioned that 85% uh, of Ontario's Indigenous population lives in urban areas. And why are people shocked when you tell them that? Mostly they think that we only belong on reserve. And it really doesn't make sense if we're all in treaty territories throughout Ontario. Of course, we're going to continue to live as we've always lived all over the province. And it's not just that we belong in one area. We actually belong on Turtle Island. I mean, it's absurd because if I was to move anywhere, I could move anywhere in Canada and I'm a settler. Um, why do you think people have that perception? A lot of this is propaganda. It's been perpetrated by the federal government over hundreds of years at this point to actually say that we only belong in certain areas, we only do certain things, and there's a certain set of belief systems about Indigenous people that actually aren't true. So another part of this agreement is is that in part of getting to know one another, it's actually bringing our skills and our talents and our abilities and our cultural knowledge into the mainstream to see that that we have value and we're important. You were a vice president of the Ontario Federation of Indigenous Friendship Centers. Now you're president. Congratulations. Uh, what <laughs> are friendship you. centers? Friendship centers are multi-service agencies focused on culture and focused on supporting Indigenous people uh, wherever they live in urban and rural areas uh, outside of, of reserves. And they have employment supports, they have education supports, they have social supports, cultural supports. A lot of our friendship centers have uh, programs that, that range from as few as six programs in a friendship center, all the way up to 28, 29 different programs and services that we offer, all under one roof. And they've been around for about 50 years? Yes. Um, so, Mayor Lawrence, uh, Indigenous people largely interact with the federal government, but how often are they accessing or coming in contact with services provided by Ontario cities or towns? Well, in Sulacote, it's, it's constant. About 70% of our economic activity is directly related to serving First Nation people and, and uh, First Nations. Uh, our in-town population is probably 50% Indigenous. They're coming in for health care, for uh, education, training for retail. And just as we go south for shopping and vacations, they come south for shopping vacations, both retail and wholesale. Uh, many of the communities that we service are uh, remote access fly-in. So a trip out uh, in on Winter Road really is a, a, a supply trip for them. So there's constant interaction and many families, uh, much family interaction too. Many of the, the northern communities have family members living here. So it's just a constant flow back and forth. Just to go back to what Jennifer was saying about this perception that Indigenous people are not in urban areas, you've actually said that um, if they weren't in your municipality, that Sioux uh, Lookout would be a ghost town. Is that correct? <laughs> well, not quite a ghost town, but, but 
absolutely. We transitioned from uh, uh, 30 or 35 years ago. We were uh, we had the pine. We were part of the pine tree uh, early warning line when we thought the Russians were coming. Turns out they weren't coming, and the military left town. The CN dropped cabooses from trains, and the logging industry died. But uh, we didn't skip any steps because the First Nations, the airstrip airports, were being developed in, in the 30 First Nations to the north. And that is the economy here. They've set up uh, their tribal council offices. Our hospital is really the new hospital that opened up 10 years ago. Is uh, is uh, 85 percent of the patients at the hospital are, are First Nations. We have. On any given day, there's 250 outpatients uh, in town uh, getting served here, and then education, training, and be, the First Nations are investing our, in our town as well. restaurants, airlines, uh, many businesses here. So it's it, we're highly dependent on First Nations. Uh, Mayor Lawrence, one of the goals listed in this declaration is to quote enhance social cohesion between Indigenous and non-Indigenous people. How much of that is already going on in Sioux Lookout? A lot. Um, it's it's very very uh, integrated that way. Um, certainly, there's uh, it, this isn't heaven here by any means, but uh, I think we've come a long way in the very uh, integration of relationships and and respect for for the for different cultures here. It's uh, very much ingrained. And Mayor Landry, how might Indigenous people need municipal services to be delivered differently to them than say how they would be delivered to a non-Indigenous person? Well, when we talk about our DSABs and we talk about our medical services and our schools, you know, the awareness of the cultural um, history, the history of Canada and the relationship with Indigenous people is very important. And to understand our culture and understand our people and to be able to interact. And some of the needs are very, very different. We find that a lot of our Indigenous people end up in our municipalities for different reasons, as mentioned by Mayor Lawrence. And um, in order for us to serve and meet the needs of our Indigenous people that are in our communities, we need to be able to have services that are understanding and are aware of the cultural differences and the cultural needs. And Can you, you give know, us the, an example? Uh, you said that needs are very different. Can you give an example? Well, you know, some of our um, Indigenous people end up in our communities for different reasons, and some of them are, they come on medical uh, appointments and then they end up staying or they've um, ran into trouble on their own First Nations and they've come into our communities and found themselves staying and there you don't have, they might be staying in, in friends' places and then wear out their time and need to find housing. In order to um, apply for DSAB, for example, you have to have an address. Some of our Indigenous people are transient and don't have a permanent address to support or to supply to the DSAB application. So you need to be aware of the different um, situations that people find them in in order to help them through our programming. Um, Mayor Landry, uh, well, I want to ask the same question to you, Mayor Lawrence. Is it difficult to get the federal government to pay attention to and to invest in helping Indigenous people, specifically living in municipalities? Mayor Landry, I'll start with you. Yeah, you know, it's um, it's different because, we're again, when we talk about silos, the federal government has the um, the oversee of the First Nations and, the, in, uh, and us as First Nations people in, um, in our First Nations and our communities. But then you have the province that oversees us as municipalities and the services that are being paid for from one government for First Nations people and then another government for municipalities tend to um, not be able to interact a whole lot. So, you know, when we talk about our policing services, our emergency services that are all downloaded and paid um, by the municipalities, and now you have Indigenous people that are coming from the communities that are technically responsibility of the federal government and that federal funding doesn't seem to flow to the municipalities in the same way. 
Sounds very complicated, Mayor Lawrence. Yeah, and uh, it's absolutely, it's nation to nation. It's the first nation dealing with the federal government. Uh, the federal government, if money is being spent on indigenous issues, is typically going to go to first nations. Uh, the next level down in the provincial government is, is a step. But for, for the federal government to deal directly with municipalities, it's very rare. So that's a challenge. I'd just like to add on, on the culturally appropriate services, let's say, of, of the previous point. Uh, in First Nations people come down from our north, and, and some don't speak English. Their, their first language will be Creoji, Creojibwe. So we have translation services at the hospital. There's 10 full-time interpreters at the hospital. The hospital is the only hospital in Ontario, I think, that runs a uncertified fruit program. So the diet in the north consists a lot of uh, moose, uh, geese, fish. That can be served. Hunters donate food to the hospital, bring food to the hospital, and that's served at the hospital a traditional healing room at the hospital. Those are the kind of services that really uh, mean something here. And Jennifer, it kind of sounds as if uh, there's a lot of passing of the buck. Um, what are your thoughts on what they were just saying? It's actually interesting because the other experience is that we've got three and four generations who have actually lived off of reserve communities in urban and rural settings throughout Ontario. So you're right, it, this division is actually called colonization and the effects of colonization is the lack of recognition of who we are as Indigenous people, our overall value, again, at the same time that the propaganda is going on. Uh, that's what makes us, I'm going to bring it back to the agreement, that's what's so important about this agreement is we've been providing services as friendship centers for over 50 years at this point to our community. And we're actually at the point in time where we can be integrated into the community, the recognition of our integration, that we are your neighbors, we are actually your lawyers, we are your doctors, we are, we are your friends, and we are your bank clerks, and so on and so forth. Uh, we've been around for a very long time. This is not a new phenomenon at mm -hmm. all. Um, anyone, uh, Doug, uh, Mayor Lawrence, did you want to add on to that? Uh, sure. I, I just uh, in terms of uh, our discussion, it's always difficult or and dangerous water to stereotype. We're talking about Indigenous people and urban Indigenous people, just as mainstream people, uh, non-Indigenous people. There's a spectrum. We can't typify or characterize everybody as being in the same place. And Jennifer, when it comes to Indigenous people living on reserves, how much collaboration and uh, and contact goes on between them and municipalities? I actually think that it depends on the area and the proximity of the municipality to the First Nations Reserve that actually exists. And where where municipalities are close to First Nations communities, predominantly there is more interaction. So would they be accessing like health services or anything like that? It's funny because, again, First Nations communities don't have the mechanisms are chronically underfunded. The The overall thing is, is, again, as a population, Indigenous people are the most disadvantaged population within Canada, especially Indigenous women and children. And when we, when we look at that, that is whether you're on reserve community where there's a lack of running water and there's a lack of a housing infrastructure, those same problems exist for the urban Indigenous, urban and rural Indigenous communities off reserve as well. And again, we've got to bring it back to this agreement. If we start working today, together collaboratively with municipalities, we can actually have a hand in solving problems that have been historic in nature across Canada.
And Mayor Landry, um, as this province recovers from COVID-19, what projects can municipalities and Indigenous communities work on together that would benefit both of them? And we should mention that you also wrap uh, Enbridge Gas. Yes, thank you. That's uh, my full-time job. Um, as a First Nations woman who's a municipal mayor elected um, in our community, the ability to bring our communities together has been, has been, I've been fortunate. And, you know, you find yourself in a position sometimes that you didn't expect. And so I, I accept this responsibility and take it very seriously And that it's my journey to bring together municipalities and our First Nations people. And if you look at um, at the community that I have been elected in, Shunya, Shunya is an Ojibwe name for the term money, coin, change. And, you know, in this time of COVID, um, as we have been as NOMA, we've been working together with some of our um, Northwestern Ontario chiefs and Indigenous leaders from the different communities that on, on different um, initiatives such as the forestry sector and advocating to bring back our forestry sector to build that economic development piece. Um, our energy sector in the Northwest, we believe that we are the future of Ontario with the natural resources that we have available in this part of the province, being the mining, the, um, the forest industry, and all of those kind of things and coming together and advocating for those, um, those, those projects to move forward with our First Nations leadership and our communities, we can build prosperity with all of us for all of our communities together and build, help build Ontario and contribute to Ontario at the same time. So working together collaboratively with our chiefs and in the, in the region has been beneficial, especially when we've been advocating to bring back the forest industry in this part of the province and moving forward we have the natural resources in this part of the province to help that recovery process so working together with our first nations leadership is something that we can collaboratively do in working with the government and building back this province and, and doing that recovery piece from COVID. and mayor lawrence i'd like to ask you the same question what projects can municipalities and indigenous communities work on together that would benefit both of them as the province recovers from COVID 19. Uh, we're actually working uh, currently with our the First Nations of our Friendship Accord ourselves on uh, COVID has highlighted the issues related to mental health and and working with the Friendship Accord for First Nations and Municipality where uh, and the District Services Board we are working on a, a an addictions treatment. And Jennifer, what do you think both uh, parties get? All parties get when they do work in this collaborative manner. Actually, it is about breaking down the silos. I, I think that that is so important. These silos are created. Uh, bureaucracies are difficult. Anything we can do to actually bake, break down bureaucracies to make change for people who are actually living in communities is important to for everyone. Mayor Lawrence, you've said that when municipalities can't, aren't able to deliver adequate services to Indigenous people, it can encourage racism in town. What did you mean by that? Well, I think uh, Jennifer made that comment earlier too, and we were talking about people are entitled to live where they choose. Um, we have uh, tremendous opportunities in Sulaco related to the First Nations and people coming and living here, but we also, uh, many of the, the people in the communities are suffering from mental health and addictions and end up on the streets of Sulaco, homeless or, or uh, looking to feed their addictions. And when we have such a large proportion, 99% of the people are, are identifiably Indigenous, uh, the lack of services, uh, it makes it easy for those who would want to go that route to say, get those people out of here, send them home, um, and, and racialize a problem that, that is a systemic problem, not, not a racial problem. 
Um, are indigenous uh, are indigenous people judged by indigenous and non-indigenous people for leaving their reserves and settling in cities and towns? Mayor Landry, I'd like to ask you that. Well, I think it depends on your community, and I think it's based on relationship. And um, and you know, we're the fostering relationship between our municipalities and our First Nations is key. And and I think that's really specific to the areas and the people that are involved. But um, for myself, I moved to the city um, back in the 80s to go to school and, you know, to navigate and find your way around a large city at a young age is, is difficult. But um, I, it really does depend on the dynamics of each community on whether or not that is um, something that someone experiences. And Jennifer, having worked with the Friendship Centres for a while now, do you see that with the people that come in to access those services? Actually, I think that... Uh, it's something that we've talked about here in our local community that home is where you live and if you have your family with you and you actually feel a part of the community then you are home so this concept of where people belong is is actually a false conversation uh, and sure there's there's issues all over amongst our people uh, and and again that disadvantage spreads far and wide uh, but the systemic issues that exist within Canada are contributing to the perpetuation of that. Our job as friendship centers is to have people actually feel at home no matter where they are, whether they're in their, in their home territory on a reserve or on their First Nation, or if they're in the urban or rural setting that friendship centers exist. And Mayor Lawrence, you've mentioned that COVID-19 has actually forced you to collaborate more with First Nations in the surrounding area. In what way? Um, well, in terms of the First Nations to the north have really gone into a lockdown uh, for COVID. There's lots of cooperation because of the interrelate, the, all the, the travel back and forth. And we have uh, bi-weekly calls with the, the uh, chiefs of the, the First Nation uh, friendship accord that we have. Public health, there's overlap in public health. There isn't medical officer of health in the Northern First Nations, but they have health services. So through our public health agency, there's been a lot of uh, collaboration there. I'd like to note that during COVID-19, Friendship Centers actually didn't close. We continued to, to provide services entirely throughout this process. And so for a lot of municipalities, we became a resource to municipalities in terms of being able to help and know what was going in, uh, what was happening to the people on the ground level. That must have been challenging to do. How did you do it? Actually, we did it as most companies did, remote. Uh, we we instantly got on social media. Um, we we made phone calls. Uh, we did porch visits. We delivered food. Um, we we delivered cultural activities online. Um, we made here at our friendship center in Fort Erie. We made twice weekly phone calls to every community member. We run a fully licensed daycare, which is for indigenous and non-indigenous families so we just included them in our responsibility and we just continued on we did what made sense we talked people through mental health issues there were not a lot of services running during COVID-19 but we were and people were calling us when they needed help and we were responding and we're not the only friendship center this is what the friendship center movement did across the province and Mayor Landry, how could this agreement that was signed today improve duty to consult? Well, you know, we have um, shared, uh, mutually shared bene uh, goals, beneficial goals for all of our future. And I think that um, the duty to consult is triggered 
on many different levels. And for our municipalities, a lot of our elected officials don't understand the duty to consult and have not found themselves previously in a position where they had to consult with First Nations on projects or, or, pro, or uh, programs that they were putting forward. And with the relationship building and the fostering those relationships is key to bringing those municipalities and our First Nations together so that there's an understanding between the two on whether it's resource development or putting in a culvert in our municipalities that the First Nations and the relationship between our municipalities is mutually understanding. Um, and it also brings forward the opportunity for not only resource development, but meaningful jobs between our municipalities, the project developers, and our um, First Nations people who have the opportunity for work and um, an opportunity to participate in the process, whether it's through the environmental assessment process or what have you. But it brings the communities together mm -hmm. and we don't want to see a forced relationship. We'd like to see people being friendly and being friends before they actually need friends. I think that's the approach to take. Mm -hmm. But I think that with municipalities under the duty to consult, um, stepping out of their comfort zone and going and meeting the First Nations leaders that, that are their neighbours is the steps in making sure that those relationships come together and under that duty, it may be under the forced situation, but hopefully it blossoms into something further and that brings the two communities together for everything moving forward. And uh, Mayor Lawrence? Yeah, I can't, uh, I have to agree with everything that uh, Jennifer and Wendy have said. Uh, but we are we are engaged with the Friendship Centre in, in terms of the Friendship Centre and the, the Deliver joint uh, programs there. The Friendship Centre is engaged in helping to run supportive housing projects that we facilitated. So we have a, an excellent relationship and just really want to step it up through this agreement. Um, I'll let you have the last word because we've run out of time. We really appreciate all of your insight. Uh, it's been such an educational conversation. Thank you so much for all of your time. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you. The Agenda in the Summer with Nam Kiwanuka is brought to you by the Chartered Professional Accountants of Ontario. CPA Ontario is a regulator, an educator, a thought leader, and an advocate. We protect the public. We advance our profession. We guide our CPAs. We are CPA Ontario. And by viewers like you. Thank you.